Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads podcast network for even more great basketball content. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks show hosted by me, Devin Zanskis, and brought to you by Hoopheads as always. Today I'm coming at you solo, but we have an undefeated week to cover. That is, if you're not counting uh, the MLK loss to the Atlanta Hawks that we already covered when I had last recorded the next day, uh, Tuesday, January 18th. I'm now recording on January 23rd at around uh, 3 o'clock Central Time. Uh, so since we had last recorded, the Bucks have beaten the Grizzlies, Bulls, and Kings. I was lucky enough to actually get to go to that Kings game. <laughs> it was a really funny set of circumstances there. I had gotten tickets through my work. They were lower level tickets, but I had gotten them at a discount. So even though, uh, even when there isn't a Packers game conflict, uh, Kings game isn't usually as enticing, but... Yeah, it got even more interesting when on the same day I had found out the Packers game was at the same time as the Kings game through another program. My work offered um, tickets to other Bucks games with more choices outside the Kings game. So I'll be going to the Bucks Hawks game in early March. I think it's a like a six o'clock game on a Wednesday or something. I don't know the day and probably doesn't matter to any listeners out there. But so yeah, initially I was going to go with my brother who has become more and more of an NFL fan. So I figured, hey, I want to offer you um, to go to this Hawks game with me instead if that works out better for you. And it did. And then I had... Uh, kept asking around uh, for a bit for uh, for a couple days there, but didn't get any luck. And until I had uh, spoken to my mother, as a good boy does, and given her the lowdown of my weekend plans, and told her I was about to go to this Bucks game alone, and whatever we get to chat and wrap up, and then. She calls me shortly after, and she's like, well, hey, can I go to this game with you? And I was like, well, you bet your ass, Joni. So uh, me and my ma went to the Kings game yesterday, the final win of the week. Um, that also followed um, Tyrese Halberton's jersey retirement at Oshkosh North High School, the Wisconsin native, whom I likely mentioned uh him and his uh status as a scotty boy before so congratulations to him i know there were a lot of uh kings who pulled up in oshkosh to celebrate with the young man who's become a franchise cornerstone for sacramento and i couldn't help but imagine what it would have been like uh for me if i 
uh, back however many years ago now if Tosa West had a similar situation going on and all of a sudden there were multiple seven-footers uh, posted up at my high school where I played IBA games. Uh, but, yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess that final win of the week sort of uh, stifles the working theory, theory we had had after last week's episode where the Bucks seemingly couldn't take care of business anymore against middle-of-the-road or worse competition, but uh, would play up to their competition, um, such as the Golden State Warriors and Brooklyn Nets. And, yeah, it's definitely frustrating... Less so now that we're NBA champions and we can fall back on that. Um, but I'm sure Bucks fans of the past decade will remember when we were more up and coming with uh, still Jabari Parker as a cornerstone, and we would we would uh, we would bring it against the Warriors and the Cavs back when they ran their respective conferences. But you know, of course, we were still fighting for playoff spots at that point. So. Those games are fewer and further between. Uh, all we're asking for is a little bit of consistency, Bucks, but um, well, you can consider yourselves forgiven after this nice uh, three-win stretch here. Uh, Bucks were helped a bit by some availability advantages, but we'll get more into that as it's less applicable here against the Kings in the first one of the week. Uh, where the Bucks uh, handed the Grizzlies only their second loss in their past 15 games. The Grizzlies were on an 11-game win streak until they had, uh, yeah, really gotten whooped by the Mavericks uh, a couple games prior. But uh, Drew Holiday also returned. Uh, in our first game that we're covering here. Uh, he came off the bench in the first two games of the week, which was quite interesting, uh, with George Hill filling in for Drew at the starter spot, and the rest of our usual starters were alongside him, and Grayson Allen, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Bobby Portis. Um, the Grizzlies starters, you'll see, although they had not quite as big of names missing for the Grizzlies. They were missing uh, some of their wing depth, which uh, they can, they've been able to hang their hat on. And so their starters were John Morant, John uh, Conchar, Zaire Williams, uh, the rookie out of Stanford, whom I thought was uh, really impressive seeing him for the first time. And then of course, Jaron Jackson and Steven Adams is their everyday uh, starting front court. So, um, Grizzlies wings missing included Dylan Brooks and Desmond Bain for sure. I don't remember seeing Kyle Anderson either. So that's, so that's three guys, um, you know, nominally as twos, threes, or fours. Uh, so yeah, the Bucks went on a 15 to five run from the nine to the uh, six-minute mark in the first quarter, 
And uh, Ja was also able to find Zaire Williams around the basket twice early. And uh, Zaire also played some impressive defense against uh, Chris Middleton. Um, bringing up Zaire so much to start this game because uh, he he's considered a raw prospect. The Grizzlies have uh, risen exponentially, mainly uh, behind their... Uh, I guess savvy uh, drafting. Let's let's go with that descriptor. Uh, as they've famously drafted NBA draft Twitter darlings in the recent years, uh, including uh, Brandon Clark, whom I really liked out of the draft, Desmond Bain, uh, whom everybody really liked, uh, Xavier Tillman, and. Yeah, so this year, Zaire Williams was a, was a bit more of a stretch for them after they had traded up uh, in a deal that um, that included the exchange um, of uh, Adams and Valanchunas. The Grizzlies ended, ended up getting Williams at 10 But the Grizzlies found um, a lot of support, surprisingly, in that selection because they had done so well recently. Um, they had gathered kind of an embarrassment of riches and uh, high ceiling but lower f- lower floor athletes. So they were applauded uh, for taking someone who could potentially become um, has a higher ceiling where you could see if, if everything breaks right for Zaire, he could be uh, perhaps uh, the third star that they're looking for on the wing. Um, so yeah, Zaire was able to use his size and size and athleticism and uh, youthful exuberance, his, uh, just his spark uh, to... Uh, get some good buckets early and also defend Chris Middleton quite well. Chris Middleton wouldn't get his first basket until early in the second quarter. Um, And speaking of good defense, Wes was able to draw uh, Jaron Jackson's third foul just midway through the second quarter uh, by drawing a charge against Jackson Jr., Uh, Grayson Allen would also collide with uh, Ja Morant uh, before halftime, but uh, uh, clearly inadvertent. We'll get into a bit more of some drama surrounding Grayson Allen later on, but of course Grayson, a former Grizzly, um, was able to check on his guy Ja Morant, and uh, clearly it would not affect Ja's performance throughout uh, this game. Uh, Brandon Clark... Uh, the guy whom I was singing, who I've been singing his praises uh, already, I thought uh, did a good job using his size and athleticism to get some some good looks in the paint, including uh, some smart cuts. And if he's if he's under the basket, that's easy money for him. Usually, uh, he's not he's not the tallest big by any means, but he's strong and can jump out of the gym. Uh, and he was. Uh, that helped him at one point too, as he was able to to 
uh, rise high over the Bucks defender for a for a short little jumper, but he's able to create separation with his leaping ability. Um, but either way, at halftime, the Bucks led 61 to 47 at half. Giannis with 17, nine and five, and Ja with 18, five and six uh, through the first two periods. Giannis would unfortunately have to leave the game with four fouls with uh, still eight and a half minutes left in the third quarter. And uh, John Morant would see this and take advantage of uh, of the absence of Giannis uh, until the Bucks were still able to hold the lead uh, for a while. Uh, definitely a moment for Bucks fans to again regain a, a bit of trust in their Bucks. Uh, that they may have lost over over the past six to eight games. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo is also uh, showing a bit of his old self as polarizing guy, of course, but he he swallowed up a Ja Morant uh, shot. Uh, and uh, then Giannis would also block Steven Adams on the last possession of the third quarter to hold the 96 to 87 bucks lead after three quarters. Uh, Giannis and Ja continued to lead uh, their respective squads throughout the whole game. But after three, Giannis had 24, 11 and seven and Ja had 29, seven and 11. Um, Bucks have done really well uh, moving the ball. Um, Throughout these past games, uh, of course they've they've uh, become more accustomed to playing playing small ball um, in the absence of Boogie Cousins now. So you know, playing more uh, wing size guys will force you to take advantage of of your guard skills. Um, Bobby, unfortunately lost in an easy defensive rebound to Jaron Jackson Jaron Jackson Jr., but uh, he made up for it by blocking uh, the young big. Um, unfortunately, the refs uh, would call Bobby for the foul, but it was definitely questionable and you could you could see that that Bobby felt the same way with the dumbfounded uh, look in his eyes looking. Uh, as locked in as ever, uh, Chris Middleton sunk a couple a couple jumpers in a row on the left side of the court, but uh, missed a heat check uh, dagger uh, later on. Jaron Jackson hit just his first three of the night late in the fourth quarter, and that would be part of a thirteen to two Grizzlies run. I remember watching the, this game with my roommate and. I don't know, as you can gather from uh, maybe your listening experience here, uh, the ability to ramble for an hour on one given uh, basketball team on a weekly basis uh, might correlate with uh, yeah, my propensity to get uh, caught, caught up on other subjects, and it felt like uh, by the time I had started and ended my tangent to my roommate, the Grizzlies had brought it to a four-point uh, deficit. I just remember 
uh, my roommate kind of jumping up and saying, saying, holy cow, is it really that close? And sure enough, it was. But Giannis was able to ice it by hitting uh, three shots in a row before uh, fouling out. And the Bucks won 126 to 114. Uh, Giannis finished with 33 points, 15 rebounds, and 7 assists. Ja finished with 33 points, 8 rebounds, and 14 assists. Uh, I, feel, I feel like there's a lot more I could say about Ja Morant, but it probably wouldn't be anything that uh, listeners haven't heard uh, if they're consuming any other NBA uh, media out there. Of course, the Grizzlies had recently gone on an 11-game winning streak, uh, largely behind the leadership of John Morant, and uh, he's already getting mentioned as a. I'll take an analogy from the No Dunks crew as a guy who's who's at least in the in the MVP restaurant, if not uh, if not at the uh, at the MVP uh, table. <laughs> in other words, the shortlist for MVP and. I don't know. I mean, people have said said similar things about DeMar DeRozan. This isn't even meant to uh, transition me into the next game here, but um, I don't know. I just feel I just feel that uh, the NBA media in general needs to make clear distinctions as to whether or not they're talking about a guy as realistically someone who they could see winning the MVP trophy or um, someone who they could just see getting getting votes, which is fine. That's accomplishment in itself. Um, if, if we can look back years from now and remember that so-and-so was third in MVP that year, I think that's definitely meaningful. But at the end of the day, I can't see John Morant or DeMar DeRozan winning the MVP trophy and that's fine they're still amazing uh players could easily be huge future hall of famers without that um but I'll transition instead to the NBA all-star returns with uh the latest leaders in each conference being uh, LeBron James and Nikola Jokic as uh, the two leading front court players in the West, the uh, two leading front court players in the East are Kevin Durant, followed by Giannis Antetokounmpo, who doesn't have that much of a gap behind Kevin Durant, but um, KD's pretty good too, so no hard feelings if he loses there. Joel Embiid is actually num- is actually yeah number three in the East right now in All Star voting, and um, someone whom I also wouldn't put in the MVP conversation, but he's there had a tremendous year. Andrew Wiggins is third in the West. So as of now, if uh, the NBA starters were still uh, decided solely on the fan vote. Uh, those six guys would be the starters, which um, would be pretty cool. Um, I have no gripes with Andrew Wiggins myself, but 
You may recall years ago, Zaza Pachulia nearly was voted a starter in the All-Star game um, behind the support of uh, Sandro Mamo Kalashvili's homeland in Georgia. And uh, obviously that, I mean... I don't, I don't really care about Zaza Pachulia. That would have been that would have been a train wreck. The guy was like not even was borderline starter level. So even if Andrew Wiggins would be uh, a hell of a wild card to uh, not only make his first all star all star team but start it, uh, he at least realistically could be an all star this year. But even that's debatable. So now there's some kind of split. I don't know. I don't know if it's equal or not, but it's between the fans. Uh, what is it? Fans, media, and NBA personnel, I think it is. I could be wrong, but um, either way, um, to the more awkward section here, of course, I, I had some words f- about Ja and DeMar there, but both of them would be all-star starters if voting ended today and were just based off the fan, fan vote. Uh, DeMar is leading is the leading guard in the East, and Trey is number two, and Stephen Curry is number one in the West. Uh, however, Ja is number two in the West. Uh, Luka Doncic and Zach Levine are in the third spot. Uh, but, uh, yeah, in their particular conference. There's still only Giannis, who's representing the Bucks in the in uh, the top ten of fan votes for uh yeah for their uh position in either the front court or guard spot so that's i don't know pretty lame for sure um right now they're being beaten out by guys like uh derrick rose kyrie irving who's hardly played anybody else who I mean, I guess there aren't really any other abominations, I would say, at this point, at least just looking at the guards. If we're looking at the front court, LaMarcus Aldridge is number 10 in the East. Um, Carmelo Anthony's number 7 in the West. Um, and there are several other guys who haven't really played much this year either although in any other year they would be um their spot would be justified and those guys would include anthony davis uh bam Adebayo had just returned recently congrats to bam uh damian lillard also has missed a lot of time and is currently out i believe anthony davis i heard might be returning quite soon for the lakers but he's still currently out I believe Paul George is also um, currently out and projects to miss a lot of the year. He's a number four in the West. So, but 
I don't know. I, I always kind of juggle with whether or not I should care as much as as I do <laughs> about the All Star Game. Um, before I uh, put a bow on this, I thought I'd point out that the biggest changes between uh, the first returns and the second returns, uh, Ja actually passed Luca in voting, and Trey. Be- past James Harden. Um, Wiggins had passed Paul George. Paul George was previously number three in the West, but otherwise the top threes uh, in each conference and uh, guard or front court slots have remained unchanged. Uh, Last time, Stephen Curry led everyone in voting after the first returns. And now the the leader overall is LeBron James. Um, but yeah, Kevin Durant was leading vote getter in the East both times, so he's still the All Star captain. Uh, I suppose now is as good a time as any to point out that. Uh, our guy Chris Middleton, he had recently had a season high. I'm looking around to find which game that was. Uh, yeah, that was on MLK Day. Uh, Chris had a season high 34 points, and he actually repeated that uh, last night. The game I was at against the Kings. So Chris is now um, above the 20-point-per-game threshold, which is... Uh, awesome. The narrative is still behind Drew Holiday, and uh, there's no problem with that. But of course, Drew Holiday has now missed some time. Drew's around the same. Uh, he's currently at 18.2 points per game, but of course, has uh, immense respect around the league for his uh, defensive ability. And I know I mentioned. On my last recording, uh, Eric, Eric Names comment about uh, Mike Budenholzer using Drew Holiday more when Giannis is off the court instead of Chris as the guy to run her offense uh, in hopes that uh, Drew will um, be even more comfortable uh, than he was last playoffs once uh, this upcoming summer rolls around. So we'll have we'll have a. Uh, Less games where he's shooting something crazy low field goal percentages, like less than 30% from the field, which fortunately has happened, but that's what makes Drew great, is even when he's uh, when he's not hitting at the clip that we would like from him, he's uh, still one of the best defenders in the league, to be sure. Uh, at that, I think I'll hop into a little bit more game action if i can get my right screen up um the uh the friday night game on espn was uh the bucks taking care of business against the bulls in the i-94 matchup um but bucks clearly had the availability matchup in this one this game the most egregious of our of our three victories since my last recording, but this was the closest 
or yeah, the smallest margin margin of victory, uh, what have you. Bucks had the same starters. The Bulls starters were uh, Kobe White, Io Dasunmu, the Illinois boy, Demar Derozan, who's uh, at the MVP table or at least within the restaurant. Tyler Cook, uh, he's interesting to me. I remember even before I knew this fun fact I'm about to share, I thought uh, Tyler Cook looked awesome. Um, I think maybe it was the Pistons uh, Summer League this past year. Either way, I had watched some lower-level Detroit Piston basketball that included Tyler Cook, and he I thought he was really uh, balling out. And uh, this is definitely the best defensive performance I've seen from the guy who essentially served as the Bulls' backup center and also a, spent a majority of his time guarding Giannis, uh, especially when he wasn't uh, sharing the court with the starting center. Nikola Vucevic, but Tyler Cook actually went to the same high school as uh, Jason Tatum, and a friend of a friend of mine, uh, Alexander, works with another buddy of mine, uh, Freddie Mac. Uh, Alexander went to the same high school as uh, Jason Tatum and Tyler Cook, so uh, it was also cool to be able to see that son of a gun. Uh, last night during the unfortunate Packers game and uh, say, hey, your uh, classmate defended Giannis uh, pretty good, if we're being honest. Uh, Giannis, I thought, started the game uh, particularly aggressive, but of course that uh, can sometimes lead to some uh, yeah, unnecessary fouls, including a uh, obvious hook on uh, Tyler Cook. Uh, rhyme was not intended, but Take it as you will. Uh, yeah, Giannis definitely had some foul trouble in this one. Luckily, uh, we weren't as thin as the Bulls in this game. Um, let's see. But I think this was the game, a game where uh, Bud was able to use uh, use his challenge as ideally as possible in uh, retracting a foul from Giannis's record. Uh, the Bucks closed out the first quarter on an 8-0 run from the uh, 2 minute 15 second to the 30 second mark and the Bucks went into the second quarter with a 24 to 20 lead. Uh, Giannis had 10 points and 4 rebounds after one and Kobe Kobe White had 4 points and 2 rebounds. Uh Tyler Cook was whistled for his third foul at the end of the first quarter, but he did still start the second quarter, which was interesting to me, but really, uh, yeah, Cook might have been their only other big available besides Vuce, so uh, their hands were tied. Uh, Dante also drained his first three of the game, um, off the dribble, despite, uh, according to the broadcast, shooting 19% in his first eight games. So, you know, I try to see both sides, despite my uh, 
my usual stance of loving Dante DiVincenzo. Um, I can see why people have their gripes, but I mean, hell, the guy hadn't played since like May or June, so this isn't just a this isn't just a particularly uh, bad slump out of nowhere. I'll say that. Uh, the Bulls went on an 8-0 run later on in the second quarter, and they made uh, their small deficit even smaller at halftime as the Bucks had only a 45-44 point lead at half. Giannis with 16 points and 7 rebounds to DeMar's uh, 18 points, 2 rebounds, and 2 assists. Of note is DeMar DeRozan um, took Giannis's role um, that we'd normally see as a guy get, getting to the line more than anyone else, perhaps more than the entire opposing team. Um, I think I think DeMar started like 13 of 13 from the line, which is uh, completely absurd. I remember they sh- had shown the totals of uh, free throws made and attempted at one point in the second half, and uh, shortly after, I came to realize, holy hell, DeMar, um, DeMar was pretty much doing it all on his own. Uh, broadcast also pointed out that uh, that the Bucks continuously kept complaining to the refs after every single foul call. Perhaps justified there, but... Uh, Jeff Van Gundy also thought that it was foolish of the Bucks to keep on complaining and not necessarily uh, changing any of their actions. You know, whether the calls uh, be right or wrong, um, you know, you you gotta make you gotta make adjustments. Uh, if you see see the whistle going one way or the other. Uh, speaking of which, Bobby Portis got uh, teed up for. Throwing the ball off the stanchion, which um, is definitely a sign of the refs being uber sensitive. Uh, I've pointed back to this before on this show, but for some reason it just really sticks to me. uh, I don't know, sticks with me um, when guys get, get technicals for showing frustration that um, it's I don't know it's it's easier when it's easier to infer that the frustrations actually like towards themselves, and in this one Bobby might have been, it might have been more clear that Bobby was frustrated with the refs, but heck if he's not directing any of his frustration directly at the refs and trying to intimidate them, I think I think refs should just probably I don't know. Have a drink or something. Just lighten up a bit. Um, if nothing else, because uh, I don't know, because it's it's bad to watch. Uh, hell, we had to watch however many Demar Derozan free throws in this game. So um, yeah, it was not interesting in subjecting myself to. Uh, to any more free throws, but this is impeccable timing right now. Um, 
shortly after Bobby got teed up, Grayson was ejected for a foul on Alex Caruso. Uh, Alex Caruso was airborne, um, uh, going up for a finishing transition, and uh, Grayson Allen flew in with not perfect timing, clearly, but um, I thought it was it was a pretty close either way. Um, Grayson, um, granted, after Caruso was in midair, he initially, uh, uh, you know, had a good foul with one arm, not clean. I'm not going to say it was a clean block or something, but, um, he had used his left arm, I believe, as he flew in, uh, from the right side to, um, to knock the ball out of Caruso's hands. Um, but, you know, Caruso's a strong guy, so Grayson, and this is what was probably not necessary, was with his right arm as he flew in from the right, he also must have pulled Caruso down a little bit. But, I don't know, even after seeing so many so many uh, replays of this, it did not look as um, as insane as it seems to be. Uh, currently being blown out of proportion, but of course it's, you know, making contact with a guy at all, um, after he's airborne is pretty tough, <coughs> but I mean, Hey, the guys, the guy was already ejected from it at the time. I thought, I thought a flagrant one would have been, would have been sufficient. Of course I'm biased, but, um, After the game, per ESPN's Jamal Collier, Greg Lawrence, the agent of Alex Caruso, called for the NBA to send a clear message um, by punishing uh, Grayson Allen. But um, I could go off for a while on this, but... ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski just tweeted out three minutes ago, according to my phone, you might have you might have heard the the notification. The NBA suspending Grayson Allen for one game over the flagrant two foul on Chicago's Alex Caruso. Um, one important detail I didn't note is that Caruso did end up with a fractured wrist after this had happened. So that will require surgery for Caruso, and he, he'll be reevaluated in six to eight weeks. And, of course, the Bulls were already without Levine and Lonzo Ball. I think both of them have knee injuries. Lonzo's is particularly more, more serious, but still, Caruso, interestingly, returned to this game. Um... But it's not the first time that this has happened either where a guy's finished out the game and then after the fact realized he was maybe more hurt than than he thought. Of course, it takes some time for uh, swelling to progress. But I don't know. I still I still don't think this was the craziest foul ever and I and I fear that the NBA is just kind of 
uh, I don't know, really harping on uh, Grayson's reputation here. Reputation that largely goes back to college, which makes it makes it seem even more unfair. Uh, I think he got... Um, I don't think it's limited to college, though. I know he had a dust-up with Trey Young in Summer League, but that was Summer League in his first year, so... Uh, how different is college and the summer after college? Not very different. Um, and even Jeff Van Gundy kind of came to... I wouldn't, I wouldn't say... Yeah, sure. He came to Grayson's defense a little bit, at least against his uh, his broadcast teammate. Um, I don't remember his name exactly. I can picture the guy, but uh, the guy brought up on two separate occasions uh, uh, the idea of Grayson perhaps being a, a dirty player, especially back at Duke, but uh, Van Gunny jumped in and said, well, what the hell, like we all did incredibly stupid things in college. I don't think there's a single person who who hasn't, so... Yeah, and there's also a clip going around, of course. Uh, I think it was in the first game of the season where Giannis was going, uh, was going for a Duncan transition, and uh, and James Harden two hand shoved Giannis uh, after he was airborne. Uh, of course, the result wasn't as ugly, but the actual foul was much worse—a two hand shove as opposed to as opposed to grabbing someone you know, either way it's not a good play but also off the top of my head there's uh, the valley oop in which, in which Chris Paul did the same thing to Giannis when, when he was airborne um, but I don't know I mean at the end of the day Grayson misses, misses one game for this he actually didn't play last night either against the, the Kings. He and Giannis were both out. Uh, Giannis with right knee soreness and Grayson with left hip soreness. Uh, I'll try to be an optimist and say that, that this could likely uh, also have a lot to do with the fact that it was the second night of a back-to-back and we were playing, uh, we were playing lower-level competition. Kings were also without De'Aaron Fox. We were still the favorites without two of two of those starters. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't. Know, hopefully, this doesn't age too poorly. But I'll I'll just uh, end it on uh, my best wishes wishes to Alex Caruso. Uh, in hopes that he has a speedy recovery. Um, My my roommate actually he had he had taken the day off. Uh, he's trying to use up his PTO before, uh, before the end of his term. So he had taken the random Friday off, and he and his girlfriend were uh, at the Journeyman for some afternoon drinks. Cause why not if you have the day off? And the Bulls 
had shown up there. Uh, according to him, it's a it's a popular spot for uh, teams to stay in the third ward. Um, you know, at the at the luxury hotel, and uh, the guy actually got to walk right past uh, Alex Caruso. So, yeah, I I promise my roommate's not a witch, and he didn't he didn't cast a. Uh, a negative spell on uh on uh, the bald mamba but yeah just a fun fact <laughs> um either way getting back into it the bulls unfortunately weren't able to capitalize on uh on the foul i think they even missed uh missed the uh the, the free throws following the flagrant foul. Not going to say ball don't lie because that's insensitive, but I am saying that I'm not going to say it. <laughs> so it's on my mind. Uh, and then Drew followed that up with a timely corner three as well. Uh, and then that's when uh, shortly after Bud was able to challenge Giannis's third foul on Tyler Cook successfully. I believe it was um, just a pedestrian uh drive to the cup for Giannis um um after he had uh met a few bodies in the paint close to the basket he actually kicked it out to a wide open uh Pat Connaughton for three um although of course the whistle was blown so there was uh no three out of that but another point from uh Jeff Van Gundy from the broadcast was um they found it interesting that the call was a jump ball even though um even though the refs had said that uh that the ball was in the air and no one had clear possession of it it was kind of bs because the pass from Giannis was uh was clearly in route to a wide open Pat Connaughton so just because the guy doesn't have the ball in his hands, I mean, I mean, by definition, he doesn't have possession of it. But clearly, if if the play had played out a little longer, had they just had a later whistle, it would have been in the Bucks' possession. So it was kind of lame for the Bucks to not just have it outright there. I don't remember the exact. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. Who won that jump ball in particular? But again, I appreciate the support from the broadcast. Okay, and then um, at the end of the third quarter, uh, Alex Caruso and Matt Thomas sunk threes on consecutive possessions. Uh, after the Bulls started shooting, started the game shooting less than twenty percent from three. Uh, which is unequivocally absurd. Uh, of course, they were aided by DeMar DeRozan's uh, success at the free throw line. Uh, but, yeah, if anything, I'm more surprised that that, uh, that the Bucks actually were uh, losing going into the fourth quarter with such a horrendous start from the three-point line. Uh, from the Bulls, but if I were to pull up my 
pull up my Bucks app right now, I bet uh I bet it, it wouldn't have I bet it didn't look pretty for the Bucks either from the three point arc, as you maybe gathered just by the final score of this game. Uh but after three quarters the uh after three quarters the Bucks were down 68 to 69. Giannis had 20 points, nine rebounds, and two assists. To Demar Derozan's 27 points, four rebounds, and two assists. Uh, Giannis had an incredible transition block on Alex Caruso, uh, but then on the other way down, Giannis actually, or excuse me, Caruso forced a jump ball against uh, Giannis. Um, <laughs> yeah, we saw on that transition block. We saw Giannis coming. Uh, from a mile away, I, I don't know if I, I had ever felt more confident uh, in uh, foreseeing a transition block uh, by a player ever. Uh, but uh, also shout out to Caruso on this one. Uh, he was really displaying how he has a how he is a could be an all league uh, defensive guy. Uh, you know, in being able to. Uh, to bother Giannis, not only on that jump ball, but I remember an instance where uh, where Giannis hesitated uh, at least slightly when uh, when Caruso was checking him uh, beyond the three point line. Of course, uh, Giannis, being the behemoth that he is, of uh, he can be bothered by smaller guys who uh, actually have a bit of an advantage when trying to take the ball. Uh, from him having a lower center of gravity. But uh, there was some impressive defense on the Bucks side as well, including West West forcing a shot clock violation on DeMar DeRozan. There is a small faction that I've heard of this past week and wanting a return of the uh, 2020 season with Wesley Matthews as a starter. I don't foresee that happening, but uh, it's just a luxury to have Wes. Um, and then, However, Chris also stuffed uh, DeMar DeRozan cleanly around the around the the uh, free throw line. Uh, yeah, a lot of highlight blocks I'm noticing from these past three games. Uh, Nikola Vucevic also had his fifth foul with more than five minutes left uh, in the game. Him and Tyler Cook were working on five fouls for a while. Bucks also had a 15 to five run from the nine and a half to the four minute mark and then Giannis had his Dr. J-esque finish around Nikola Vucevic before Vuce knocked down a three in Giannis's face but uh, still not enough as the Bucks finished it off 94 to 90 Giannis with 30 points, 12 rebounds, and 3 assists to DeMar DeRozan's 35 points, 6 rebounds, and 3 assists. And before I move on, uh, the final 3-point uh, tally in this game uh, came out with the Bucks winning winning that 7-6. Uh, to six. I didn't actually do the research on, on this, uh, but I am really curious to look up what the average 3-point uh, you know what the average NBA team uh, makes per game in terms of total three pointers made. I'd imagine that both teams were below average here. Um, 
yeah, the both team. <laughs> I remember the broadcast was pointing to this the whole game where the teams were basically uh, eye to eye in terms of field goal percentage throughout this one. Both teams shooting below forty percent from the field. Uh, and other than that, nothing major stands stands out. I would say. Um, so. I'll push on with the final game of the week here. That being, of course, last night's game as of recording, um, where uh, me and Joni were able to cheer the Bucks home as the Bucks, unfortunately, were the only winning Wisconsin team on Saturday. Uh, even without Giannis and Grayson, the Bucks won 133 to 127. Uh, do we really need to unpack the Packers game? No pun intended. Um, maybe after the game action, of course, I didn't bring a, a pen and paper to this one, although it wouldn't have been a first. Uh, Buck starters included Drew Holiday. Uh, of course, this was actually Drew's first start of the week since returning. Uh, but George Hill, who continued to be his replacement uh, in the as Drew was coming off the bench, started next to Drew here without uh, Grayson Allen. Uh, alongside those two guards were uh, Pat Connaughton, Chris Middleton, and uh, Bobby Portis. King's starters were uh, Oshkosh legend Tyrese Halliburton, Terrence Davis, Harrison Barnes, Marvin Bagley, and Rashawn Holmes. Of note is that they were without De'Aaron Fox. So that uh, definitely helped the Bucks without two of their starters. Uh, so yeah, not like huge notes or highlights from this game. Um, most memorable play to me besides uh, some of the close action at the end was uh, was uh, Bobby Portis with a huge dunk actually, although he was... Uh, he and Sandra were our only real bigs in this game. Uh, he had he had a massive one um, after uh, after uh, George Hill had uh, driven to the basket and dimed him up there. And I'm really embarrassed to say this, but I did not start a Bobby chant at that moment. Uh, I knew this going in that it would be it would be a, a slimmer, quieter crowd given uh, the other events that were happening uh, in the Dairyland that night. But I don't. For some reason, I just I just felt that because we've had so many other big Bobby chants and big Bobby moments, I I hesitated and it was like, is this is this actually the moment? Where I'm supposed to chant for Bobby, or is he, or is he gonna, is he gonna like get into, get into someone's face later on, and is he gonna prompt the, prompt the crowd and wave his arms at us, and that's going to be the big Bobby chant of the night? But miss all the shots you don't take, and I don't, I don't know if there was a big Bobby chant besides a, you know, a couple individual ones thrown out there throughout. But sincere apologies, Bobby, and I really do hope there is one day where you and I can cross paths and I can, and I can pay for your meal, but I think I might have to get in line behind every other Wisconsinite there. 
Um, also of note, pretty lame moment in this game <laughs> was uh, Wesley Matthews was clearly hobbled. He might have gone knee to knee with someone, but uh, you know, you see, you see guys get hurt in, you know, when they're in the game and they want to play it off, see if they can just walk walk off a, a twisted ankle or something. Uh, but yeah, Wes was clearly hurt, but he was hobbling down the floor, and and the game went on for four possessions actually with with Wes uh, hobbling around out there, still doing his best and trying to stay in front of his man and space the floor went on offense, but after those four possessions, West just completely collapsed uh, right in front of the scorer's table, actually with teammates teammates coming over to help him out. But uh, Bucks did announce uh, later on that uh, West would not return to the game after they concluded he had a left knee con- contusion. And I remember saying, saying to my ma that if... Uh, Wes would not return for if he missed more than a game that that um, that it would look pretty bad on Bud of the Bucks for not getting the guy out there. You're not getting the guy out of the game. I know it might be easier said than done, but I don't know. Wes's fan club has grown more and more, so uh, we're a little more sensitive. Uh, to our guy Wes, and here's to him having a speedy recovery as well. Of course, a left knee contusion doesn't sound the most egregious, so I think we'll be uh, seeing him by the end of the month. Um, other than that, um, I'd say the most noteworthy part was the end of the game, you know, a six-point um win is no blowout of course so around the time where my ma um it was whispered to me she was saying hey what if we what if we uh we move we moved a little back in the stands just so we could um you know get home uh get home quicker and she was kind enough actually to drop me off at my friend's place to watch the second half of the Packers game as well uh but uh yeah, right around the time at the end of the game where my where my ma suggested we moved a little little back in the stands, but of course we made sure we'd still be able to see the action. Uh, there was a barrage of th- of threes that were coming from the Bucks around that time, um, as three of the Bucks' twenty one threes occurred in the last four minutes of the game, which uh, which uh, held the Bucks. Uh, lead together. Kings also had a total of 15 threes in this game, so nothing to scoff at either. Uh, I believe Oshkosh's own Tyrese Halliburton had a late three in this game to uh, keep it close, but uh, yeah, in the end, obviously the Bucks were able to hold were able to hold the 133 to 127 victory. Uh, the Bucks had the turnover advantage, uh, only seven to the Kings fourteen, and of course that corresponds with uh, 
12 bucks steals to the Kings four. Of course, Chris tied his uh, 34 point uh, season high in points and also tallied six rebounds and five assists, 12 of 20 shooting from the field, uh, five of seven from three and five of five from the line. Uh, Drew Holiday also um, put up put up some numbers himself in the absence of uh, one of one of the members of the big three, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Drew finished with 26 points, five rebounds, and four assists, a couple steals, 10 of 20 from the field, two of three from three, and four of four from the line. Harrison Barnes led the Kings with uh, 29 points, six rebounds, and three assists, 11 of 18 from the field. 3 of 6 from 3 and 4 of 6 from the line. And Tyrese Halliburton had 24 points, 6 rebounds, and 12 assists. 8 of 14 from the field. 5 of 8 from 3. 3 of 5 from the line. And that capped off the Bucks, uh 3-0 stretch here since my last recording. And the Bucks have, including today, 3 days off. Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday before facing the Cavs. At 6 o'clock on Wednesday, then the Knicks at 9 o'clock on Friday. Might be asking yourselves, what the heck is that? That's a late game, whether that's in Milwaukee or New York, especially if it's in New York. But uh, we have seen this uh, recently, I feel like. But maybe I think this is a first for the Bucks in playing, uh, you know, at a time that's not within within an hour of seven o'clock local time, um, and then we face the Nuggets uh, a week from today, um, Sunday, January thirtieth at six o'clock. I'm not sure if I'll if I'll be recording uh, Saturday or if I will opt. I mean, or if I'll opt to do it early next week. Cause I've a uh, Ended up doing a lot. Um, could see that because otherwise, uh, the off day over the weekend is a Saturday instead of a Sunday, and that would have me covering only two games there. Um, and maybe I want to, maybe I want to talk about the Nuggets as we've been, we've had a, we've gone four three, uh, four and three. We won four of our seven games against the Nuggets in the Mike Boonholzer era, and uh, that would be 500 if we weren't including our last game against the Nuggets, uh, which was a close game, actually, even though the Nuggets didn't have Nikola Jokic. So we have our work cut out for us against them. Jokic, yet again, an MVP candidate alongside Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. That was actually a game that had I uh, known about and pulled the trigger on this other uh, Bucks ticket program through my work, I could have potentially had tickets to that, but of course that's hot commodity, and by the time I had uh, I'd clicked the link, there's only one ticket available in uh, each section. So yeah, hopefully I'm not missing an all-timer uh, there, a battle between... Uh, between the kid from Athens and the kid from from uh, Sambor, Serbia, but even if it's a 
game against Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets or uh, a kid from Oshkosh and the Kings. Uh, it'll be a good one. But until then, I'll see you in another life, brother. Thank you for tuning in to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again soon. See you in another life, brother.